about opinions and that's cool Talking about movies that you once thought sucked But now you realize that they rock They might still suck Fear and Nothing Podcast Wow What's up, everybody, and welcome to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the host with the most, the man who I like to enter the movie world literally and have a good old action romp with, Preston Barta. What's up, bud? There may be no sequel for Ripper and Benedict, but there are. there will be a sequel for Brian and Preston. Yes, yes, there will be. And unfortunately, today, we've lost one of our team members. Dan Moran is still stuck in the real world while we're in the movie world. So we're going to try to get that magic ticket to you, Dan. We miss you. We love you. Uh, (laughs) We're going to be talking about you through the whole show, really. Uh, But of course, if you have not guessed what movie we're talking about this week on Fear and Loathing in Cinema, we're talking about that movie that came out in the summer of 1993. No, not Jurassic Park, but Mm. Last Action Hero, directed by John McTiernan, written by Shane Black, story by Zach Penn, And starring, of course, Arnold Schwarzenegger, F. Murray Abraham, Art Carney, Charles Dance, Tom Noonan, Mercedes Rule, and the youngin' Austin O'Brien. Cinematography by Den Semler and music by Michael Kamen. This movie was released in Hollywood June 13th and the rest of the world on June 18th of 1993. I was a young 11, 12 years old. Uh, The movie was made for $85 million and it made a small $137 million at the box office. Uh, And currently it has a um, 40% on Rotten Tomatoes. And we figured since Arnold Schwarzenegger has a new new, uh, product, a new production out on streaming right now called FUBAR, uh it might as well we might as well do this movie we might as well do last action hero because doing press for fubar arnold schwarzenegger mentioned that his most underrated movie the movie he likes most out of his career for the most part is last action hero and preston thought it was a great idea to do this and i i totally agree because people did not like this when it came out but there's There's so more to it there's a a lot of reasons why we picked this movie for one you just alluded that it's its 30th anniversary so that's pretty special and then i guess arnold also has his documentary coming out about his life on netflix as of tomorrow so maybe today at the point that this releases and uh with spider-verse and the whole multiverse and jumping into different things that's another reason why so it, it just Everything aligned for this to happen, and I'm so glad that we are because this movie is criminally undervalued. It it is definitely undervalued. I mean, going back and reading some of like Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel, Gene Siskel's, and uh, Leonard Maltin's reviews of it, their gripes are definitely warranted. Um, and even Shane Black, as you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Iron Man Three. He's worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger before. Uh, he has Shane Black has griped about this movie as well as other people, but and they're very much again warranted of what they say. But I think looking at the big picture here, there was so much going on underneath the surface of this movie uh, that people didn't realize at the time, and it uh, didn't hit financially or critically at the box office and theaters. But once it hit home video, it became an instant cult classic. People started loving this. And then now it's finally on streaming and it's entered a new audience and people are discovering it for the first time. And like Preston said, with the multiverse and the Marvel and the multiverse and DC and the Spider-Verse meta and having all of these elements into one movie, I mean, this movie kind of did it first. And I don't think people were ready for it. Uh, but it was, and it's also fun to kind of see up until 1993, Arnold Schwarzenegger's co-stars from his other films show up 
in little bit roles such as Danny DeVito and Sharon Stone and Robert Patrick and uh, amongst other people. So it's just kind of it's a fun, fun movie. And it's interesting because back in 1993, this movie is over two hours long. This is 131 minutes long. Uh, I still will say that maybe it could be shaved off a bit. But uh, I so I remember when this movie came out, it's it's the summer of Jurassic Park. I saw Jurassic Park. Still, Jurassic Park is the movie I've seen most in the theaters ever. Um, Like, I think I saw it 11 times in the theater. And so there's production around Last Action Hero of Arnold mainly champion Last Action Hero to be released four to five weeks after Jurassic Park, but the studio wanted to release this the week after Jurassic Park, uh, which is just a dumb decision. Uh, But I remember seeing Jurassic Park, and then I remember, okay, it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm 11, 12 years old. These movies are made for me, these action films. And I want to go see this. And so I went to see it with my parents, and I, I loved it because it put me in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Hadn't been done before. Like, it put me a film fanatic as the kid in the film who just wants to see movies into a movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he gets to play the sidekick. And I loved it. I remember loving it. I thought it was action and violent. The one-liners, I loved it. Um, And then looking back on it, I, I remember just wanting to be a part of this movie. And I thought, Oh, Arnold's cool as hell. Uh, Preston, when did you, when, when did you first come into being of last action hero? Mm, well, it wasn't the year that it came out. Cause like I've mentioned many a times, Jurassic park. I do remember seeing that in theaters. I don't remember. I don't think I saw this one in theaters. I don't know if my parents could justify, they could, they could justify me seeing dinosaurs kill people (laughs) in a movie, but not so much Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it might've been, it might've been a couple of years after on VHS that I watched this for the first time. So maybe seven or so. Um, But I can't pinpoint the exact time and place and what I was doing. I just, it's blurry, but I just remember loving the movie at the time, even though I didn't, not everything clicked with me because there's a lot of things with the jumping into movies, the lines, like I didn't get all the jokes, but watching it as an adult and the career that Arnold Schwarzenegger has had. And now that I'm older and more familiar with his entire career and everything that happened after and before it makes it a very fun, unique experience, especially since we're in this time, as you've mentioned, Brian, that the universe universes of movies are getting kind of blown up a little bit where they do have this tongue in cheek kind of type of attitude or approach to their stories and it's just kind of fun to be like you're the fish out of water and you're kind of going into these things or vice versa. It's on the other foot when Arnold is coming into your world and you're showing him the ropes. So uh, that that whole play, that that two lane highway, so to speak, is uh, a great joy and uh, is the fun of this movie. And there's a there's a lot lot of things that are happening in this movie, like you said, but it's so smart too. Uh, more s- smarter than it gets credit for in the same way that like Anchorman and Step Brothers, like people kind of focus on the dumb stuff, but then you're like, oh shit, it's actually commenting on this and that's a fun thing. Uh, there, there's going to be specific points that we bring up probably throughout this entire podcast. Uh, one's like coming quickly to my mind, but um, yeah, it, it's, it's a, uh, it's a really smart movie and uh, a lot of fun. So I'm glad we're getting the opportunity to discuss it and I hope more and more people find it. So when you're going through this, through the years, was there ever a moment in from when you first saw it to now where you kind of like, where you, where you kind of felt like, oh, maybe I didn't like this movie. I watched it like on DVD mm-hmm. when it released, and it was like, oh, this is not the movie I remember it being. But then you came back to it recently. It was like, oh man, I missed all of this stuff that you were saying 
And now I really like it because I think there was a moment in time where I always kind of had a nostalgic feel for it. Again, 11, 12 years old, Summer of Jurassic Park in this movie. I think I always had a kinship towards it. But I think at some point I was like, oh, last action hero. I remember it kind of being slow, but also being fun. And I never because like when you think of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, you don't automatically go to last action hero usually you'll go to terminator you'll go to predator you'll go to i mean in my case i go to twins a lot because i just true lies yeah true lies you know this uh and true lies was done right after this so you there there's a lot there but you don't always go to last action hero but i think revisiting last action hero was so ahead of its time was there a moment where you think you didn't like the movie no, I don't think so. It, it, this is a very different experience than what I've had with some of the other movies that we've discussed on this podcast where, you know, the idea is that we're watching something that came out years ago. Maybe we didn't like it at the time, but now we have a newfound uh, appreciation for it. I think I have a newfound appreciation for this movie, but it's just kind of grown. I maybe took it more at a surface level as a kid but I, I don't remember the moment where I was like, oh, it's doing this and that means this and uh, something that may be annoying to me about it, such as, um, oh, what's her name? The, from Billy Madison that's in this. Well, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, what's her name? Uh, hold starts on. with a B. Yeah. Um, oh, balls. What's her name? Because the kid really, Bridget Wilson. Bridget nope. Wilson. Yeah, Bridget Wilson. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Veronica Vaughn from yeah. <laughs> Billy Madison. <laughs> so um, yeah, she there's a part in the movie where she screams and she's doing like this whole damsel in distress thing. But the fact that she's just annoyingly screaming while fighting people is really funny that I didn't catch at the time. Because at the time, probably watching this when I was younger, I was like, oh my God, she's driving me nuts. But then I watch it now, I'm like, She's totally making fun of damsels in distress and she's kicking ass while doing it when normally she would just be the screaming victim being held captive by the bad guy. Um, So there's just like little nuggets like that sprinkled all throughout that when you watch it again, maybe even certain lines. uh, There's a there's a line that I brought up to Brian last night where when we were at a movie screening where I was like, this line was said in this movie and I immediately thought of you and it even has a bit of a journey in the movie where it's brought up again toward the end. Um, so one, I really want to know if you know what that line may be. And also just once again, saying that there are lines all throughout this that are just kind of, you almost need to look at the script and, or have the, the subtitles on, to for to allow some of the things to register because you are maybe focused on some of the visual stuff that because there's there's visual jokes or visual creative in, in insertions or whatever you want to call it but there's also just like dialogue stuff so a lot going on so cannot say enough how much is going on well now i want to go back to the movie because i remember you saying yesterday at our movie screening uh that there's a line in the movie and it comes back and i'm trying to remember which one it was oh my god which one was it um so the line that i thought of with you you may be like oh okay um so there's a part where uh danny the kid says i thought i was gonna die and then jack slater says well i'm sorry to disappoint you but you're gonna live to enjoy all the glorious fruits life has to offer like premature ejaculation (laughs) in your first divorce so i just thought that was hilarious no because that's my life (laughs) and um in in so many ways that is my that's so good (laughs) i thought about that i was like yes i'm very excited about that and uh i i did notice that and i'm glad you thought of me with that line because you're like i wrote that line basically right yeah pretty much (laughs) oh yes 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 so let's let's talk so if you if you're uh if you forgot and you were unfamiliar with last action hero the movie follows this young kid uh lives with his single mom in new york and basically he doesn't do due to his dad dying previously in an unseen moment a year or so earlier. Um, he resorts to this old movie theater where he just watches movies all day. He skips school. He watches old movies. He watches movies. And his 
uh, the big action movie that he loves stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as a guy named Jack, of course, you know, uh, Jack, Jack Slater. And what happens is, is that there is, I don't know, Jack Slater movies, you know, think, think of just Arnold Schwarzenegger action and there's been three of them. And so it's like lethal weapon or something. Yeah. A little more cheesy, a little more Arnold. cheesy. Yes. Yes. And so the, projectionist this little kid has made friends with and this projectionist says like you know what in this very own theater my dad brought me to see houdini and i got to meet houdini and houdini gave me this movie ticket because i loved movies and magic and he's like this ticket is magic but i've never done anything with it but i want you to have it you know and so the kid uh has the ticket and this ticket becomes magical once he rips it uh and goes to see the new jack slater movie and this ticket projects him and throws him into the movie cinema world where anything you can think of an 80s action or 90s action cheesy movie is real and fun and nobody in this movie realm knows that they're in a movie they're in a movie they think it's real life and so you know arnold schwarzenegger he just can't die no matter what he does he can do good guys don't die correct so Uh, He's thrust into this world with no way to come back. And so once, you know, the villains of the movie world realize they can get into the real world, they go. And then it's the kid and Arnold must go into the real world to help save things. And then Arnold realizes like, oh, my God, I can actually get hurt. There's so many levels going on. So that's kind of like what the movie is trying to tell. Um, so let's talk about John McTiernan first for a little bit. So John McTiernan, the director of this movie, um, he really he he started uh, his film career with Nomads, which we talked about on my bloody podcast in 1986. But then he went on to do Predator, Die Hard, The Hunt for Red October, Medicine Man, and then Last Action Hero. And then after that, he did Die Hard with a Vengeance, and then The Thomas Crown Affair, The 13th Warrior, and Rollerball. Um, so John McTiernan was a big force in Hollywood for a little bit. Um, John McTiernan ended up going to prison uh, because he lied to the FBI. He had phones wiretapped. Uh, of other producers who were wanting to change the script and like it was a whole thing um and i guess he hasn't made a movie since 2003 since he's persona non grata in hollywood but for a while there john mctiernan was the person right like you do agree that john mctiernan's made some great movies including this one right yeah almost all those movies i mean you can list them all off and it doesn't feel annoying to list every single one of them. I mean, there's some stinkers in there. I don't think the new, the 2002 rollerball movie is that great in retrospect. Maybe we should do that on the podcast at some point. Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Um, but hell yeah. Dar- Die Hard. We celebrate that every Christmas. Predator. Still fantastic. Uh, the Hunt for Red October is still great. Uh, this this one's great. I, I like the 13th Warrior. So yeah, I, I will admit that he's... He's made some really good stuff. He he has. And then, of course, you have the story by Zach Penn, um, who wrote stuff as like Men in Black, PCU, the X-Men movies, uh, the Avengers. Uh, he did the story for the Avengers. Uh, a lot of Marvel stuff, this guy. So he came up with the story of this way back in 93, but then it went through a lot of rewrites, including Carrie Fisher, you know, Princess Leia. And then um, Shane Black, who, of course, Shane Black gave us Monster Squad and Lethal Weapon and Last Boy Scout, Long Kiss Goodnight, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, The Nice Guys. Um, He this is the guy who wrote the movie. And so if you think of kind of like the nice guys in this movie, you can see very great um, similarities almost. Um, And so you have this this film coming out with the at the time these great names attached to it even f a young f murray abraham and charles dance you know the game of thrones guy uh they're all in these amazing roles that are hammed up to a big a big platform for this movie because it's all about these 80s and 90s action cheesy moments to kind of 
poke fun and pay tribute to Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, you know, because like Commando and Predator and all that. And Arnold is so aware of the movies he makes and he's so smart with it. And he had, it looks like he had a ball. And so to have John McTiernan come in again with the, his predator castmate is just amazing to see work in last action hero, because I think maybe, you know, when you have Arnold in these action movies and there's, you know, like even in commando, you have like a young girl, but she's not in it a whole lot. But then you have kindergarten cop where big action hero Arnold comes in and he's with kids. Like, how about you give Mm -hmm. Arnold a buddy cop, but as a kid in, in the movie, one of the funniest, like a recurring jokes in last action hero is the buddy cop action desk where, the police sergeant is just buddying cops up. It could be a an animated cat. It could be, you know, somebody else. And I just thought like, oh, this is just like a great, almost SNL skit of people pairing up buddy cop action movies, you know? Yeah, to me, it's like imagining Arnold Schwarzenegger characters teaming up with, uh, oh, oh, man bad names again what, what uh randy from scream like imagining him yeah being so knowledgeable of jamie kennedy action, yeah of being so knowledgeable of the genre that he's a part of that he knows what's going to happen what, what everything about his life and just that concept is a really fun one because i often still do to this day daydream about inserting myself into a movie i mean we were talking about at some point dazed and confused like we all imagine like what it must be like to just kind of and that's where we rewatch the movie what it's like to hang out with those characters as they're uh beating the asses of eighth graders going coming coming freshmen and and smoking doobies on the 50 yard line and that sort of thing or jumping into a sci-fi film where uh, hopefully you don't die um, in that the logic of this movie where you can ride a bike and play chicken with a car while riding a bike and you won't die. You'll just kind of fly up in the air and everything will be okay because you are, but then you have to reevaluate the rules because you're like, I am the sidekick and sidekicks are uh, like, so that's like a part in this movie that happens and you're just like, man, they really thought this through. And and that's what makes Scream such fun is that that they're commenting on things. They're knowledgeable of things. They're they're totally accepting the intelligence of the audience all throughout, whether it comes to specific story beats, uh, specific character roles, even the villains. Like, like they're one of the fun jokes in this movie is that the villains could have a tendency to just spit out a bunch of stuff. Like they're just talking and talking, like they have to get the last word in. And then a character like Danny would be like, just shut the hell up and kill him already. Like you would, you would. And so it's funny because we still have those thoughts when we're watching movies today and be like, if you weren't talking and you weren't doing this whole thing that you would have won you could have killed him already and you didn't have to worry about all that. So it's just all those things like that, that really make it such a, such a delight. Right. Right. It is. And I like when you say like, it's funny to have that Jamie Kennedy character, Randy from scream come in because how they portray the young kid in this movie who knows everything about the Jack Slater character and Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, Arnold is his character. Jack is so unaware of anything. Having somebody come in and explain like what's going to happen, what's he's going to say. That's like brilliant and genius and like so ahead of its time. I feel like, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's uh, the, I can't remember the line per se, but there's a part where I, I think they joke with each other about the one liners that he says when he shoots somebody or gets away with something. Um, and he says just complete gibberish at some point. He's like, you didn't anticipate that I was going to say something like that. And like, it's when I probably was watching this as a kid, I was like, what the hell does that even mean? And then I watch it now and I'm like, I got you. I got you. Um, So plenty, plenty of that 
Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty great. Uh and I think as the movie goes on, like even like so the opening of this movie is pretty amazing because it introduces kind of like the movie scenario with Jack Slater and a guy named the Ripper played by Tom Noonan. And this Ripper character is scary as hell. And uh, like he looks weird. He's in a raincoat. He kills children. He has an ax to one of the children. Like it's crazy. And how they make that, I, I I'm trying to figure out how to, how to you capture that audience because like some of the gripes even by Shane Black in the screenplay about the movie because Shane Black doesn't talk too fondly about this movie. Um, he basically says like this: there's a story in there that I love. Like there's a story in there that wants to be told that I just love with all my heart, but what was shown out was just a mess, a jumbled mess of scenes that you might've seen like on SNL. And it's just a smattering of sequences that are just thrown in there. And then I guess behind the scenes, John McTiernan has said, and other actors have said like, yeah, the studio was hell bent on not moving, uh, the film down the line later for a later release that they really worked on this up until like they turned it over to theaters pretty much. Uh, mm-hmm. And there was no editing. Like John McTiernan has constantly said and other actors like, yeah, they were shooting it. And then once they shot it, it like just went into the final cut. Basically there was like no time to edit. And I wonder if that's why a lot of the people had bad memories of it or it, even in its flow, like it's fun to watch, but the flow of this movie is not there. Um, even though it's fun as shit to watch. What do you think about that? I don't know. I can't really put on my critics hat in, in the way that I would. I, maybe just because I watched this so much as a kid that I can't really notice all the things. I, I kind of like take it for what it is and, and am totally accepting of it. Um, I, yeah, with like Jack, uh, I just want to call him Jack the Ripper. Um, Maybe they thought about that. But Ripper, man, I had nightmares about that guy. I think you described him as his raincoat and this kind of like scarred up beaten face and his long wet hair and his axe that has like a triple spike on the other side. Like it's scary looking. So I definitely remember him in the very beginning. Uh, throwing the axe and it kind of having this 3d effect at the time and in that um he he ends up killing jack's son and uh that's something that we don't see completely but we uh j- just just a quick moment as you know jack in the movie i guess this would be uh jack slater part three the movie within the movie of of Ripper throwing the axe toward Jack and then Jack shooting, managing to fire off a shot and take out Ripper. And then as he's falling, he grabs his son to his son's death. Um, So that kind of had an effect on me. So I think it starts off in this kind of like emotional uh, place um, while also being kind of funny because you Jack's, entrance into this movie or Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, entrance in this movie is him just being the stoic hero who's a badass who's walking on top of police cars with his rattlesnake boots and then uh, the 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 police chief is like I'm gonna fire you you're gonna have your badge for this and he just tosses his badge like he doesn't give a shit so it's just commenting on all those things all those characteristics that we t- uh, most notably know from eighties movies and early nineties movies. Um, so that's, that's funny, but then you have this big emotional thing that happens, but the movie doesn't pay a lot of focus to it. It's just like just enough for us to have some sort of emotional connection to Jack Slater. So he's not just like a fictional character that happens to be running around with a real person. Like it has a little more gravitas to it. Um, but then, yeah, we're going from scene to scene and maybe it's not completely thought out in that 
it does feel a bit disjointed. So maybe I'm putting on my critic hat a little bit more, but I'm still completely forgiving of it because there are a lot of great moments. It's like the individual parts are so good and they function on their own. But when you piece them all together, does it flow uh, cohesively? Not 100%, but it still has the beats there. You can follow it. Maybe some of those beats could have been trimmed down a bit, like you said, but I still have an awareness of what's going on. I still think it accomplishes what it needs to accomplish um, with having a pretty good villain. I would say Benedict with his uh, red eye is like, oh man, that one liner about got to catch the red eye was really good. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> So yeah, he's a really good villain. Like it's so imagining like the possibilities of this movie, if it were coming out today or if they did a sequel where like the villain just has the golden ticket, manages to get the golden ticket from the kid at some point, And he's trying to figure out like, what is the real world? And he's experimenting the real world when he manages to cross over. And then he's like, I have this ticket I could bring all kinds of fictional characters because there's a moment where the bad guy is playing with like a newspaper clipping that has like Dracula on it. And you're like, holy shit. Like we could have like a cabin in the woods moment where you just see all the monsters on screen. You're like, Jesus Christ, this is like amazing. It never quite, go it doesn't go there, but the thought is still there and that still makes it an exciting thing. And so I imagine if they ever happen to do like a sequel to this, which I guess technically they kind of did with the Nicolas Cage movie, because it kind of has that same type of vibe, uh, not, not completely involving like characters hopping screens, but it does have that meta quality where an, an a notable, actor or action hero is deeply examined willing to make fun of themselves and their career and that's what makes this movie such fun because when it gets to the end and and we see jack slater the fictional character crossing paths with arnold schwarzenegger the actor when he hops into the real world you get to see like arnold schwarzenegger being himself like even like the red carpet reality when they're at the premiere for Jack Slater four yeah. and, and uh, he's, he's saying like this part four movie, we don't kill as many people. So like, it just, it shows you like the comments that have been made maybe about the Rambo movies where like the kill count was like 116. This next one, it's more focused about story. We're doing bigger things. Cause maybe that's commenting on the criticism that the movie got at the time. So it's just, if you really break a break down some of these parts there's there's such so much genius to it um that i i think maybe slipping between the cracks and probably did slip between the cracks for a lot of people um and and they just couldn't quite uh grasp all that i don't know um so i i think there's just too many great things that are happening in these individual moments that i don't care that it feels a bit jumbled or disjointed Right, I agree. The um in in into addition to that, I love how much this movie is self-aware and pokes fun at the action films of the time. Like even in those first 20 minutes where you see vehicles explode and by and when each vehicle explodes after the next one, it just make it doesn't make quite as much sense like, oh, the vehicle went down a cliff it exploded okay oh this one just hit a car it exploded okay oh this one just went flying through the air and exploded midair for no yeah. reason like it's like that's genius and that's like brilliant writing that in today's world if that that same amount of sequences was in there in the film today people would eat it up eat yeah. it up yeah, I guess like 21 Jump Street makes fun of it with like cars that explode when they're like come on man like they're in a car chase sequence and then it involves the chicken coop and all that and yeah. all these cars he's like oh man i thought that was gonna explode they what? always explode in the movies and they never do so uh, movies are still kind of poking fun at it um but yeah this one was ahead of ahead of the game and uh managed to uh comment on 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 
the ridiculousness of 80s action movies of having that where you have like a Michael Bay like director in there that's just a candy a, a, a kid in a candy store just wanting to see things explode everywhere it's like you always want to feel like this is a movie man this is a movie not reality whatsoever um so yeah the movie makes fun of that and it's great no i i love that and so let's talk about arnold schwarzenegger and how brilliant this dude is like arnold schwarzenegger nobody so like arnold is the perfect actioneer like he is great with one-liners he is a hero you want to root for all the time because he always does the right thing and also he can flip that and be an emotionless robot but also so emotional at the same time in terminator in terminator 2 like he's vicious yeah. in terminator 1 in terminator 2 he's vicious but has an emotionless emotion like it's crazy like nuanced he is and then a third way he's goddamn funny like yeah. twins and junior like this dude is comedic gold and i think it all comes together in last action hero like it, he's and so for how smart he is to do a movie in his career where it pokes fun at himself. Like, how self-aware are you? You know, like, this is unbelievable. I think he he knows it. If you watch some of the interviews that he's done for, like, FUBAR, like, he knows that audiences or journalists eat up when he just is talking about other movies of his on his own or saying the lines, like, I'll be back. I don't know how many times I've heard him tell the story about I'll be back and working with James Cameron. Um and that that line has a journey in this film and it's pretty funny because even ripper says it at one point and he, he's like i'll be back when he's when he's dying and getting electrocuted and then arnold schwarzenegger says the hell you will <laughs> so it's just like even he knows he he's completely aware of it and so because that's a fun thing to think about like you know we 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 wonder like how how in tune actors are with themselves like jared leto uh with his career his music and the ridiculous meta-ness that he brings to his movies and playing jokes and doing pranks on his fellow actors uh, annoyingly so but then he'll have a instagram account where he's making fun of Morbin time and morbius and so it's fun when we get a slice of that re uh a slice of that reality um where actors are like, like i mentioned with the nicholas cage movie unbearable weight of massive talent like that's such a great movie because to talk about nicholas cage when he puts out a new movie and yeah we're make, creating memes and gifts and all sorts of things with the decisions and the level that he goes to in his movies like vampire's kiss where it's so otherworldly and there's so much to pick apart and make fun of, but we enjoy it. And then to see that actor be completely aware of it and know everything about everything, it's it's fun. Uh, we're seeing it more and more these days with, like I mentioned, with Instagram and, and TikTok, where, you, you know, you're getting a compilation of, of Owen Wilson saying, wow, over and over and over again. And then when we see him saying, wow, in movies going to the future, like, yeah, he's totally aware of that. Um, so uh, it, 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 it's such, it's such a joy. And I, I, and I bet it was really, I wonder what it was like for Arnold Schwarzenegger to be aware of that uh, in that particular world in 1992, 1993, where, it wasn't as easy to get to be in touch with fans like people are today with having social media and in just having so many online publications share and poke fun at, at these actors uh, in their careers um, to be aware of it at that time. Maybe he was reading every review that was, had been written about him and he just didn't care whatsoever. I don't know. Maybe, um, he he knew what it was like to watch like Sylvester Stallone movies and Arnold Schwarzenegger movies back then and people would be like there's there's a pattern here and it's funny 
um, let, let's explore that further and just kind of flip the script on its head a little bit. So uh, props to him to just, again, an, to be ahead of the game a bit and uh, bring the meta-ness to, to, to films uh, these days. So it's great. Yeah, no, it, it is good to see him in this type of movie. And like even recently he said that he really wants to make a true lies two and a sequel to last action hero like maybe a legacy sequel and like why not do it you know like we i mean imagine shane black and arnold working together today like it would be nuts it would be so good yeah nice guys too with arnold schwarzenegger that'd be great too yeah <laughs> it would be so great and so last action hero the action is great for the 90s i mean as it pokes fun of it at itself it still manages to be suspenseful um yeah. which is very hard to do and uh i really applaud that and then in addition to that, I really love the story they tell with the child in this movie, the kid Austin O'Brien, who plays Danny Madigan, um, that he's clearly has gone through some trauma with the loss of his dad and he has no friends. So he resorts to the movies and then he's trying to, you know, keep his sanity with his single mother played by mercedes rule who's always amazing but like the scene that really sticks out i guess to this day which was is crazy to me is you know the young kid is left at home and then he's instantly mugged inside his house handcuffed yeah. and like he kind of plays it off you know like i mean it's it's that moment where it's like do something like here the, the criminal is like you see the knife here i'm gonna let you do it you can't do it and he wants to be that action hero that Jack Slater is, but in real life, you just can't be uh, in that moment. I love that scene because that scene like really is, is, is so layered to me. What do you think yeah. about that scene? I like that scene because it's almost commenting on the viewer who's watching a movie where they're like, don't go in there. Don't do that. Like they think that their intelligence is greater than the character. Right. You're like, but oh, I would reality, have double tapped him. Yeah. 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 And, and that's showing you the reality of it. Like, hey, there's this kid that almost knows everything about everything because he's seen every movie that kind of depicts every situation. But yet he knows that human error is real and you freeze up and you still are a human being. And that scene captures that quite miraculously without you maybe even thinking about it. Um, and it, and, and it just takes like maybe years later and it clicks with you. You're like, Oh, that's what that meant. Um, um, so yeah, it's, it's a pretty effective sequence. I, I'm glad it didn't go to a very dark level, but it, it's, it's it's scary to think about living in a in a place like that and opening your door and anybody can just pop in at any moment when you're a kid alone and trying to brave the world and that sort of thing. So, yeah, effective sequence. No, it's a great sequence. And then it showcases how he can gain his confidence throughout the movie, you know, more or less. Yeah. Uh, and now we have to talk about all the fun cameos in this movie, like especially, mm. you know, right at the beginning when Arnold, the character Jack Slater is walking into the police department, you know, there's valet, which is hilarious, but then all out walks Sharon Stone in her yeah. basic instinct dress. But, you know, they were together in total recall and then out walks Robert Patrick in his police uniform. He's like, what? <laughs> wait, what? That That's amazing. That's not the only time Robert Patrick has played Robert Patrick from Terminator. He did it in Wayne's Wayne's world. world. <laughs> um, and so you start seeing all these characters, even like at a blockbuster knockoff in the movie and you see who's working the counter and it's like brilliant commentary on action movies where the kid is like, look at this chick. Yeah. working Every behind the counter of a video store she's hot as fuck you know like that doesn't everybody's that's not real looking. life. Yeah, yeah everybody's good looking that's not real life it's like where are the average looking ladies <laughs> and that is such a great joke and commentary on you know picture yourself in the 80s and 90s making action movies you're not gonna hire 
nobody hired like unattractive people you yeah. know I, I always go to end of tour like i've mentioned before i think at one point on this podcast where it's like you want to imagine somebody eating a bologna sandwich can't imagine anybody eating a bologna sandwich in this movie <laughs> right it's uh it's crazy it, it's super fun and then you know throughout you you get like cameos or co-stars from godfather 2 and other things but then during the movie's climax at the end of the movie they kind of really meta multiverse it um where the opening of the new movie is premiering in hollywood um or new york or wherever it's new york and so the premiere is there and if you've ever seen like e the red carpet and stuff you know just all the stars turn out and so you have the character jack slater arnold schwarzenegger and the kid trying to go through this cavalcade of an opening for a big action movie trying to catch the real villains in the, of the film but then you see all the villains in Arnold Schwarzenegger as kind of themselves being interviewed for a movie and then you see like Maria Shriver you see the E Entertainment Tonight host you see tons of people MC Hammers comes into the picture you know telling of Chevy Chase Jim Belushi John Claude Van Damme yeah yeah John Belushi's um bit was knocked Jim. me on my ass oh Jim Belushi's bit knocked me on my ass again this time because it's because they because John really Belushi like <laughs> yeah, yeah no yeah it's great so yeah Jim Belushi is with his wife he's coming to the premiere and they ask like oh what do you think about Arnold Schwarzenegger and like Jim and Arnold acting in Red Heat together, and Jim's like, "Oh, I don't like Arnold Schwarzenegger at any point in time." But here, my wife, she loves him, and I want to be there for that, you know, to watch. <laughs> and it's just like that's a brilliant moment. And you know, you got to think like McTiernan or Arnold is just calling up his buddies he made movies with. It's like, hey, we're making a movie to make fun of me. You want to come in? <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, you want to come to my roast? Cinematic yeah, roast. And I thought that was brilliant and to see because because I, I will say, you know, we we saw the Flash this past week, uh, the upcoming movie, the movie, The Flash, and there are a lot of cameos in it. And I think some of the cameos that appear in this movie are done so forcefully. But I think in last action hero they become natural and they poke fun at it you know they didn't take it seriously and i really enjoyed the last action hero set of cameos that they did in this because they all kind of either the most popular at the time or people have worked with arnold schwarzenegger and i think that was brilliant in this and then yeah. while you're seeing all these people and you're like oh look at that oh my god that's sean claude oh my god that's mc hammer oh my god that's jim belushi to you have tina turner as the mayor this was her final film performance a uh, last action hero, but in the midst of all that, you have this story going on where the characters are trying to find the other characters in the real world. And I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was so good. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I like, I just, I feel like maybe this was a product of many things converging at once. Like I think the studio not allowing them more time to edit. Also the studio not listening to Arnold or anybody else and saying like, you have to release the week after Jurassic park. Like, it's just yeah. like, you're doomed to fail, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then with all of that said, I think that people weren't ready for this at the time. And I feel like if this was released later on, I just, I feel like if this movie was released today, people would eat it up eat it up yeah it's it's just like it's a it just happens it happens all throughout cinematic history that you have a movie that's either very ahead of its time or is you know just not not or but and is discovered later but then you have movies that blur the the boundaries of reality in cinema like uh there was uh who framed roger rabbit and uh, Woody Allen's the, the the Purple Rose of Cairo and, and things like that. And so um, it's just unfortunate timing. Um, I think if maybe they waited just a little bit longer, maybe it would have been better received. 
who who knows? I don't I don't know. Like whatever um, Shane Black and John McTiernan may say about the movie, and that there was a better version out there that exists. These bones are still quite clean and good, and uh, I I still enjoy it for what it is. But I don't know what that other version looked like, so. Um, it's kind of like me with the flash and the secret ending and knowing what happened before seeing the CinemaCon version. And then now knowing what happens in this new version, it's like, I can't, I have that knowledge now and I can't unsee it. And that kind of hinders the experience a little bit. So being those writers and everything, uh, I can understand maybe their heartbreak over it, but, um, I don't have that knowledge, so I appreciate it for what it is, and I enjoy it for what it is. And um, I, I think it, it's great that this movie, like, even got a 4K Steelbook release, which I still have. Um, uh, whether it looks completely great or not is beside the point, but uh, it's it's there's still people who are appreciating it and are able to have, have greater access to it, and that's a great thing. That is a great thing. Um, and we, we got to mention uh, our, our our co-host, Dan. Uh, oh, yeah. he, he wanted us to share his take, and his take is this. This is a good movie, and it's self-aware enough by Arnold in an age where action stars wouldn't poke fun at their game like he would. And it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Like, it is... A dang good movie, uh, Last Action Hero. And it's like everywhere. You can get it on Hulu, you can get it on Netflix. It's out on 4K and Blu-ray. This Revisit Last Action Hero because when you watch it, you're going to think to yourself and say to yourself, wow, this is like the Spider-Verse. This is like all these movies we're describing. And if this movie were made today, it would be gangbusters. Um, And I think it was a product of the time, like, Preston said like it is it is uh and it's fun to visit those early 90s things because so much has happened since 93 with Arnold that he could do a sequel and make fun of himself even more so now yeah you know yeah like yeah. he has his 10 year hiatus with um with, with the governor of California he passed the torch literally to the rock in yeah. um the rundown and you know, and then now he's making different types of movies right now. And I just think that The Rock and Sylvester and all these other people would show up in his movies now and they could they could do something. Yeah, more than just Expendables 3 and 4, which is their version of Avengers. Uh, I wanted to quick before we close out, I want to make sure that I get because I, I took some notes while watching this. I'm, I'm professional. Um, so I wanted to uh, bring up a couple of points in the movie that I either thought were genius or great. Um, so uh, there's the kids at the beginning um, when they're watching like 400 blows. By the way, we didn't even mention Ian McKellen. I totally forgot. He Dude, was I forgot this. fucking Gandalf the Grey shows up with his staff as the seventh seal death. Good yeah. God. I totally forgot about that. Yeah. So they're they're watching uh, that film um, or or Hamlet production in class and uh, taught by Mrs. Wilson from uh, Dennis the Menace. Yeah, correct. They're they're teaching Hamlet, and now you can say Arnold Schwarzenegger has done Shakespeare. Yeah, like you absolutely. Can. To yeah. yeah, to be or not to be, not to be with a cigar and machine guns <laughs> while on horseback, Man, and they, with a visual like like, visual style of Sin City. Yeah. And um, yeah. Yeah. With uh, certain colors brought up. So yeah, who knows how this movie inspired uh, <laughs> or, or where they took or what they inspired and where they took inspiration from. Did they see um, demons, which also deals with characters coming out of a, a movie screen when you get to see, I think they're on horses at at some point, right? Like, yes, yes. Or, or, or a super bike machine gun. Like, like something feels off where it's like kind of fun in this like mash, uh, mishmash of uh, weapons from different eras uh, coming together, which is always a interest, uh, an interesting thing. So the fact that that was happening. So anyway, my original point was that kids are laughing at the black and white 
cheesiness of, of, a, of a different level, so to speak, with watching a black and white movie. And so kids are like laughing in the classroom. But yet, you know, you have Danny that's kind of sucked into like cinema and has an appreciation for like how things were done at the time. Because when you watch movies from like the 30s and 40s, like they have a certain way of speaking and it's always uh, but 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 you have to imagine yourself what it was like being in an audience watching that movie at the time and being like, this is the tools that they had and the resources that they had at the time. And it's so interesting that the movie is like taking a quick second just to kind of acknowledge that kids today just don't have the patience or they laugh or they make fun of things that uh came before but i just thought that was interesting that that movie uh that the last action hero had the audacity to uh home in on that um so i had the shaving the shaving premature ejaculation line wanted to bring that up again <laughs> um the tape, the tape that Jack Slater plays when his ex-wife calls the station to check in on him. And he has like a collection of tapes for every conversation that his ex-wife can possibly have. And so it's like this tape so he can step away, go back to his duties and the tape that he plays will be like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. One, <laughs> one said like something about twins and it was like, great. And I was yeah. like, Oh man, can I pause that? And just like read all of those excuses. Yeah. That yeah. is genius. That's like, yeah. that's brilliant work there. Yeah. And then later you find out he's like, yeah, my, nobody knows that that's not, that's not my real ex-wife calling. I just want this, the, the police station to think that I have a life that exists outside here. And I was like, Hey, that's kind of, tender and nice and it's sad uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah that that was something um even the way that john mctiernan shoots like the when he's filming the movie within the movie like the jack slater films there'll be a lot of like ass shots of women and all kinds of things all the types of stuff like he can just completely lean into the things that are hap that ha you know like we've been saying like with 80s and 90s action films like just <clears throat> you, you may be watching and be like oh my god it's annoying oh he's doing it because he's making a point so that was great um there's the 555 scene where they're talking about like what hey oh, what's yeah. your phone number and he's like five five five, and he's like, th there would only be a certain amount of five 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 numbers out there. How many the people world. are in LA? Yeah, ten million. <laughs> yeah, he's like, there's not enough numbers. He's like, that's what area codes are for. <laughs> <laughs> so thought that was great. Um, Got to catch the red eye. Uh, da, 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 da. Did Jack Nicholson show up to Bat Batman premiere dressed as the Joker? Uh, yeah, because they're com they're commenting on Ritter, uh, who they they think is the actor dressed up as his character from the previous movie showing up to the premiere, but it's really the care the fictional character, the fictional character showing up to kill. And they ask him like, "What what do you want to do here tonight?" And he's like, uh, "Kill someone." And the the reporters go, "Well, you better kill that designer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just like it's of course, so great. It's so good. <laughs> oh boy. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's some of them that we already brought up and I really liked, uh, again, the, the moment where Jack Slater and Arnold Schwarzenegger meet and he's just, he's, he's annoyed with Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jack, Jack Slater is. And then he's like, shut up. Like, I don't really like you. You brought me nothing but pain. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's what it is. And like, I love when Arnold is talking to the press and he's so, cause like, if you ever heard an Arnold Schwarzenegger commentary, he's so energetic, like he's just yeah. funny. And so with the reporters, he's talking and Maria Shriver, his wife in real life, pulls him away and yeah. tells him he has like a, you have a big low forehead to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it was so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love yeah. it. The, uh, Shane Black must really know him quite well to yeah. be able to have your buddy just like roast you like that and uh turn it into a movie that has so much going on that it comments on more than just Arnold Schwarzenegger's career and personality but just you know like we've been saying move action movies at large and the Hollywood industry and uh 
so, so many things that we could probably just do a feature commentary of this and just have our moments of being um, Rick Dalton and snapping our fingers and being like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I have nothing but love for this movie and uh, I, I, I just applaud all its victories and there are plenty of victories to applaud. Agreed, agreed. I couldn't agree more there with Preston. It's it's so good. Watch it. It's on Netflix, Hulu, 4K Blu-ray. Check it out again, or for your first time, last action hero. Fear and Loathing and Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening. Preston Barta, you can find all of his amazing reviews, his interviews, which he's doing every week. Check him out on the Denton Record Chronicle. Check him out at freshfiction.tv. All of his insightful musings are there, as well as Blu-ray Dad, his Instagram handle, Preston Bart on Twitter, and finding him on YouTube. Check him out. And I'm Brian Kluger at HighDefDigest.com, BoomstickComics.com, and I'm Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Check us out on my bloody podcast as well. And uh, Dan Moran, he runs our Instagram. We'll miss him this time, but next time he'll be back with us. And uh, yeah. Go Arnold. Yeah.